Section 32 of The Life of Mozart, Volume 1, by Otto Jahn. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Crean, Lilburn, Georgia. The Life of Mozart by Otto Jahn. Section 32, Chapter 14, Part 2. Translated by Pauline D. Townsend and others. Nothing whatever is known of Mozart's models in his instrumental music. We may take for granted that he knew Joseph Haydn's symphonies and that they were not without some influence on his genius, but few actual traces of them can be discovered, while his conception of the minuet was altogether different and remained peculiarly his own. The jovial humor and the delight in musical drollery, which are Haydn's characteristics, are never predominant with Mozart. He preserves a national tone, truly, but the interest it excites is due to the ennobling and beautifying spirit which he throws into it. This side of Mozart's nature appears even in his earlier works, and makes us the more ready to ascribe any lapse into fun and drollery to the direct influence of Haydn. The last symphony, in E-flat major, which is avowedly ambitious in conception, betrays undoubted external influence. Both the minuet and the lengthy and elaborate concluding rondo are decided imitations of Haydn. The andante is somewhat constrained and unnatural, but there is a second and later andante at the close, which is much simpler. Mozart's instrumental compositions up to the year 1772 are only interesting in so far as they show us how gradually and surely he gained possession of all the means his art could place at his command, but from this date they begin to acquire an independent interest. It is remarkable that we possess no symphonies composed by Mozart between 1775 and 1777, reflecting how carefully all the compositions of this time have been preserved, it is not probable that any can have been lost by accident. On the other hand, most of the great serenades and concertos for violin and piano fall within these years, and it is quite possible that Mozart's growing discontent with his position and the displeasure of the archbishop may have caused him to desist from writing symphonies which were primarily intended for performance at court concerts. We have further proof that Mozart wrote no symphonies during these years in a letter from his father on September 24, 1778, where he says, When a thing does you no credit, it is better that it should be forgotten. I have sent you none of your symphonies, because I feel sure that when you come to riper years and have a clearer judgment, you will be glad that they are forgotten, even though you may be satisfied with them now. Even the more important among the later symphonies are sparing in the use of means and precise in form, as indeed they were obliged to be, considering that several symphonies were performed in one evening. And yet Mozart writes to his father from Paris, September 11, 1778, 
that he could not produce his symphonies there since they did not suit the french taste we germans like long pieces but in truth they are better short and good progress is shown in greater freedom of treatment the first movement of a symphony in d major kershaw two hundred and two and the last movement of the symphonies in g major kershaw one hundred and ninety nine and c major kershaw two hundred all belonging to seventeen seventy four are full of life and vigor these qualities presuppose more individuality in the details the interludes are developed with more independence and the loosely connected violin and violoncello passages disappear altogether many of mozart's special characteristics exist side by side with turns of expression common to the time for instance the second theme is sometimes an offshoot from the first and the introduction of a new subject at the close of the part often gives a new impetus to the movement the symphonies in g minor kershaw one hundred and eighty three and in a major kershaw two hundred and one may serve as very opposite examples of mozart's works of the kind the first has a serious tone from the first subject onwards the minuet and finale more especially being almost gloomy in tone and the andante the same only somewhat softened down the second is full from beginning to end of cheerful humor and tender grace and may serve as an example of the way in which a work of art of perfect mechanism and delicate shading may be produced from the simplest materials if the minuets alone of the two symphonies be compared it will be acknowledged that an artist who within such confined limits can produce impressions of delicate wit and humor on the one hand and of gloomy discontent and agitation on the other has a full mastery of the forms and capabilities of instrumental music the symphonies of that time do not as a rule attempt to express passion or tragic emotion they are with few exceptions intended to promote social enjoyment consequently their essential characteristics are animation and brilliancy or else calm serenity the composer concentrated his efforts on the form and mechanism of his composition to express deep feeling or the secrets of his own heart would have been alike impossible to him as an artist and contrary to the spirit of the time a sharp line of division was drawn in theory and practice between human and artistic emotions and any display of subjective emotion was discouraged in the year seventeen seventy four werther appeared the strivings and conflicts of the time which produced it had their influence on music but music had to pass through a longer and more arduous struggle before attaining to a like freedom of inspiration and expression the evident strivings of the youthful mozart to express himself and his innermost feelings in his music affords a significant indication of his development as an artist life had not taught him the lessons of passion and disappointment and his nature was too sound and healthy to attempt to anticipate or represent emotions which had not touched him he shows himself to us as he is the symphony was not then as it is now the grandest and most comprehensive form of orchestral music the first place was given to the so-called serenata a name originating in the circumstances of its composition 
and scarcely applied to a fixed or well-defined form the serenata was distinguished from the symphony in its narrow sense by greater variety and wealth of ideas and treatment several instruments are often grouped together in different combinations and solo instruments are variously employed also the number of separate movements often reaches as many as eight for the arrangement and manipulation of the movements the perfected forms of the symphony are employed but with numerous modifications serenades were introduced and sometimes also concluded by a march Kershaw thirty nine this was concise in form and simple in treatment very often without even a trio it was generally lively and cheerful the detached marches by mozart which are preserved were doubtless intended for introductions to serenades they were often transferred from one to another and so were written separately the minuet is almost invariably inserted between each andante and allegro and therefore occurs two or three times in the symphony the omission of all the other forms of dance music so amply represented in the suite is a proof that this form of instrumental music was not intended for practical use at least in this juxtaposition variations were sometimes made in the character of the minuets by changes in the instrumentation more especially in the trio several trios were frequently given in one minuet with appropriate instrumentation making use of obligato violins kershaw's one hundred eighty five two hundred and three two hundred and four and two hundred and fifty flutes kershaw two hundred and four trumpets kershaw two hundred and fifty and sometimes the stringed instruments alone kershaw's one hundred and two hundred and fifty a grand allegro in two parts as a commencement and an allegro or presto at the close sometimes introduced by a short adagio form the main substance of the serenade as well as of the symphony and the movements are similarly treated the slow movement between them is in its turn between two minuets kershaw sixty two and there are sometimes two slow movements each with a minuet appertaining to them kershaw ninety nine and characterized by varied instrumentation as time went on an allegro was inserted between the two slow movements which however was rendered distinct from the two principal quick movements by its lighter coloring and tone the instruments too are grouped with more diversity for instance kershaw one hundred and eighty five the oboe and horn are employed obligato in the first andante and the following allegro and in the second andante flutes are combined with the stringed instruments a singular use is sometimes made of obligato violins in the serenade kershaw's one hundred and eighty five two hundred and three two hundred and four two hundred and fourteen two hundred and fifteen two hundred and thirty seven two hundred and thirty nine and two hundred and fifty after the first allegro the solo violins lead in three movements viz andante minuet and allegro rondo kershaw two hundred and fifty which are in a measure complete in themselves and form apart from their surroundings a complete symphony the expression finale musique which frequently occurs in mozart's letters seems to prove that these lengthy compositions with their concerted solo instruments 
form the conclusion of the concert, the Concertant Symphonia. Of the two last serenades belonging to 1774 and 1775, Kerschel's 204 and 250, are conspicuous from their peculiar instrumentation. In the other movements, the usual oboes, horns, and trumpets are used as accompaniment to the obbligato violins, flutes, horns, and bassoons. And in the last movement especially, the combination and treatment are quite modern. These two serenades show altogether a marked improvement on the earlier ones, which do not essentially differ from symphonies. The orchestra is firmly handled, and the orchestral subjects freely elaborated. Each of the many movements of the last serenade is worked out as carefully and lovingly as if it were the only one, and the ideas and motifs are so full of meaning and of jovial good humor that it is impossible not to feel that Mozart has here put forth his best powers. A short serenata, Kerschel 239, consisting of a march, minuet, and rondo, interrupted by a short adagio, was written in January 1776 for stringed instruments and drums only. A sort of chorus of two solo violins accompanied by violas and violoncelli is opposed to another composed of two violins, viola and violoncello, with the drums, all treated as tutti parts such admirable use is made of the contrast and combination of the two courses of the tutti parts and of varied sound effects such as pizzicato etc and even the drum is so skillfully employed that this little work has taken a highly original coloring with true tact the separate movements are made short in order that the singular charm of the piece may not suffer from the fatigue of the year. The same praise may be bestowed on a nocturne, Kerschel 286, for four orchestras, each consisting of a stringed quartet and two horns, so arranged as to represent a threefold echo. When the first orchestra has played a connected phrase, the second orchestra falls in at the last bar with the same, or with the four last bars of the same. The third follows the second at the last bar with the three last bars, and the fourth comes in in the same way with the last two bars. Then the first orchestra continues the theme. In this way, all the three movements, Andante, Allegro, and Minuet, are managed with but slight modifications. Only the trio of the minuet is played by one orchestra alone, or by all together. It need scarcely be said that the omission of the echoes does not affect the connection of the parts. The main point in such a trifle as this is to carry it out with as little visible constraint as possible. There is an especially good effect in the minuet, where short passages follow each other in rapid succession, falling in at different parts of the bars, and the way in which, in the first part, the horns alone conclude a phrase with cutting each other short in the most important manner is truly comical. Similar instrumental compositions to this are called by the name of divertimento or cassatio which last term has never been satisfactorily explained in which the various parts are simply arranged 
the first of these kerschel one hundred and thirteen composed in milan in seventeen seventy one concerto has the four movements of the symphony their last in rondo form and resembles the symphonies of that time also in the brevity and conciseness of its arrangement the strings are not obbligato the wind instruments two clarinets and two horns although not concertante are more than usually independent for a later performance probably in seventeen seventy three two oboes two english horns and two bassoons were so added that the clarinets might be omitted the stringed instruments were left untouched the strengthening of the wind instruments was utilized for the alterations with slight and clever modifications in the next divertimento belonging to june seventeen seventy two kerschel one hundred and thirty one consisting of seven movements the combination of the different instruments four horns flutes oboes and bassoons is varied with evident care the first adagio is for strings alone the second for wind instruments the first minuet is for strings the wind instruments alternate with each other in the three trios and all the instruments unite in the coda in the second minuet the four horns are especially prominent in the third movement an allegretto the flute is obbligato and the horns are silent in the first and last movements all the instruments work together a divertimento singular in many respects in six movements for oboe and two horns together with stringed instruments seems to have been written quickly for some special occasion in july seventeen seventy six kerschel fifty four and then to have been laid aside the score is hurriedly jotted down on already used music paper of different shapes with abbreviations directions for the copyist and various corrections the second minuet has no trio but is three times varied the oboe is prominent and striking not in passages but in sustained notes and tuneful melodies the stringed instruments without being actually concertante enliven the whole by their free arrangement of parts the national german character of the melodies is very noticeable they remind us in style of popular german songs the alliance of the horns with the strings was a favorite one at the time although the instruments do not readily blend the freer the thematic elaboration of the string parts the more difficult it became for the horns to keep pace with them although now and then fine effects might be produced by their means the difficulty was not so to engraft as it were the horns on the stringed instruments as to leave them free play for their own natural effects and to produce a certain richness and depth of coloring not attainable without their aid in a divertimento written about seventeen seventy three or seventeen seventy four kerschel two hundred and five two horns are in union with violin tenor and violoncello strengthened by a bassoon it is short and precise but cleverly written the adagio is a duet for violin and tenor to a very simple bass the horns being silent it must be remembered that such pieces as these were always accompanied on the clavier two divertimenti or cassationi as they are oftener called in the letters 
for string quartet with two horns kerschel two hundred and forty seven and two hundred and eighty seven were written in june seventeen seventy six and june seventeen seventy seven for the fete day of the countess antonia lodron they are finished works of the genuine mozart type both have six elaborately worked out movements and abound in grace and fertility of invention and in skilful harmonic treatment the style is that of a true quartet that is the instruments have each their independent part but the first violin as a solo part is markedly predominant in the first divertimento in f major kerschel two hundred and forty seven it sustains the melody in every movement but is bravura and concertante only in the adagio in the second divertimento in b flat major kerschel two hundred and eighty seven which is grand in design and composition the first violin is treated as a solo instrument throughout with a strong tendency to bravura the remaining instruments cooperating in such a way as to display the creative spirit of an artist in every detail however delicate or subordinate in the very first thematically elaborated passage the solo passages for the violin occur which it is the chief concern of the second part to elaborate the second place which in the former divertimento kerschel two hundred and forty seven was given to a simple exceedingly graceful andante grazioso a kind of song without words is occupied in the latter kerschel two hundred and eighty seven by an air with variations in which all the instruments take part but the violin most prominently and with more of the executive bravura than any of the others this is most apparent in the two minuets but it is very decided also in the broadly conceived adagio where the second violin and tenor are muted the violoncello plays pizzicato while the first violin leads a melody richly adorned with figures and passages and requiring the execution of a finished performer the use of muted strings especially in slow movements was very frequent at that time in accompaniments as well as in symphonies and quartets and was intended to produce variety of tone coloring the violoncello not being muted but pizzicato afforded a contrast of tone the concluding movement is introduced by an andante with a recitative for the first violin not too long and so worked out that the whole compass of the instrument is characteristically displayed a long molto allegro follows this introduction in three eight time which keeps the violinist in constant movement and gives him an opportunity of displaying the variety of his technical skill but the movement is carefully planned and composed due consideration being given to each part in its place the recitative recurs at the end followed by a short and brilliant conclusion the tone of this movement is not as cheerful as usual it is full of impulsive haste and changeful humor and its stronger accent betrays a certain intensity even in the introductory recitative the third divertimento in d major kerschel three hundred and thirty four may be most fitly noticed here although it was not composed until seventeen seventy nine or seventeen eighty since it accords in every respect with the two last mentioned in breadth of conception and grandeur of composition it stands nearest to that in b flat major 
the first violin is perhaps less elaborately treated and the tone of the whole is somewhat calmer and more cheerful mastery of form in plan grouping and arrangement is perfect in both compositions as well as freedom and ease in the elaboration of the subject as if they sprang spontaneously forth as expressions of thought each in its proper place and degree perhaps the first movement is grander in design and has broader motifs than the later work but the adagio is deeper and more elaborate and the last movement is more original in the b flat major divertimento the remaining movements are fairly equal it was the b flat major divertimento that mozart played at munich in seventeen seventy seven as if he was the first violinist in europe so that everyone stared it is evident that difficulty of execution in his composition for the violin which is more noticeable after seventeen seventy three kept pace with mozart's progress as a violinist end of section thirty two chapter fourteen part two recording by john crean lilburn georgia